Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Turn up your volume, because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast, The Eye Test, with Pierre McGuire and Jimmy Murphy. The Stanley Cup winning Colorado Avalanche, and after 22 years, Raymond The Sickest NHL Podcast, it's gonna be sick. <laughs> All right, here we are. Jimmy Murphy, Pierre McGuire here with a, uh, a hot open here. And I am at TD Garden, and Pierre is uh, back at his place uh, just outside Boston, and he just watched the same game I did, Pierre. Uh, a 4-3 shootout win uh, for the Boston Bruins who snap a four-game winless skid uh, over the Dallas Stars. Ten rounds the shootout win. They must have known I had to be on air, Pierre. I don't know. Charlie McAvoy did because he saw Jake Gottinger, the old BUBU. Uh, stuff going on, and then Charlie yeah. ended it for you. There you go. He did. He did. I, I, I didn't get a chance to get in the dressing room. I just didn't have time, but I'll thank him next time when they're back from the trip. Um, but, Pierre, lots of NHL action going on uh, for us to talk about here on the iTest on a Sick Podcast Network, and we're psyched. We got kind of a abbreviated one, but the reason we're excited is because we love talking to our audience and, and answering questions and, and doing the hockey banter we've got going with them. It's Probably our favorite part of the show, so we will open that up shortly. But Pierre, just from what you've watched today, any, or even if you want to go back over the weekend, any common threads that have struck out to you? I think we should probably talk about today uh, watching Toronto win with an undermanned lineup in St. Louis, an urgent St. Louis team, a Toronto team that is also urgent. And they showed a lot of character and grit today. Talking about Toronto, Austin Matthews keeps it rolling. It's just amazing to watch him shoot a puck. Uh, can he get to 70? Maybe, but he can get to 65. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if he got close to 70. So that's something that stood out, uh, you know, watching uh, Minnesota and Vancouver. Vancouver looked like they had that game totally in charge, Jimmy. And then four straight penalties at the end of the second period. And all of a sudden, what was a 5-3 lead ends up being 8-5 in favor of Minnesota. You know, like you can't make this stuff up. So tons of crazy, crazy stuff going on. Yeah. Um, but it, it's been a, it's been a wild afternoon. I watched Anaheim fall behind in their game with Buffalo, and then find a way to crawl back and eventually win the game. And your UMass guy Frank Vetrano ripping it up, still getting close to thirty goals. He had two today. So there there was some really good stuff that I watched earlier this afternoon. And when we're done with our podcast, and I'm done Montreal radio, I'll be back watching. I know I love it. That's that's a fun time in this year right now, and you get the the President's Day matinees. It's good stuff. Hey. Uh, Pierre, I think uh, one thing I want to kind of look at over the weekend, though, kind of backtracking a couple of days, is 
you look at some of the games that happened over the weekend, and, you know, we've been talking about this leading into this past weekend, that teams are starting to have to face that reality of whether they're in it or not, and whether they're going to have to sell or buy at the deadline. And you've got a couple teams, I think, that are right there that are going to have to make that call really soon. And I would have said, Pierre, if Minnesota had lost, that they were going to be one of them. That's what you and I agreed on on the phone earlier today, but that's a huge win for them. But I look around here, and one of the teams, I I just, I I, I don't know. Like, I I look at them here, that that worries me is the Pittsburgh Penguins. And I know you are not going to count them out yet because mathematically they're still alive. They've got games in hand, and I agree with you. But mentally, can they overcome it? That's the big thing to me, and I I just don't see it happening at this point. The power play is killing them. They gave up a shorthanded goal last night to lose the game. It's a bad play by Lars Eller attacking the offensive zone. He's on his backhand. He's a left-hand shot. He tries to put it through the stick of an LA Kings defender. Quick counterattack. Adrian Kempe off the races in a mini two-on-one. He scores a game-winning goal, five-hole. I mean, that can't happen. You know, that can't happen. You got a chance in the power play to win the game. Yeah, that just can't happen. So their their power play is killing them in Pittsburgh. There's no question. Um, Sidney Crosby has playing as well as I've ever seen him play. He deserves a huge amount of respect for the way he's carrying himself and the way he's playing. Um, but I don't know how much Pittsburgh has left. But I will say this to be fair to everybody here. And I said this to Jimmy on the phone earlier. They still have huge amounts of games in hand. Now, we all know a game in hand is only good if you win it. But they do have those games. So to say that they're out would be a misnomer at this point. And they also have the best goal differential of any of the teams chasing uh, Toronto and Detroit right now. So, I mean, you got to be fair to them. They still have a chance. But they're uh, tomorrow they lose to the Islanders, Jimmy, in Pittsburgh. I would say they got to start thinking about selling. Well, Pierre, I'm just going to give you a text from someone I know who covers, I can't say who, but covers the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, sent me this text right after practice as I'm settling into the Bruins game here in the first period uh, and said something might be up with Marcus Pedersen. He would be one of the few tradable assets, and Sullivan just barged into the room here as we were interviewing players after practice and said, Marcus, come to my office now and walked out. What do you make well, of that? That's very unlike Mike, I would say, because that's not the professionalism yeah. that Mike usually exudes, especially in front of the media. Um, usually, if you're going to do that, you would if a deal was happening, you would tell one of your assistants, just go, or the media guy, say, grab Marcus and please bring him to my office. You wouldn't make a big deal about that in front of the media or his teammates. It's just not the professional atmosphere you want to have. And knowing Mike, that's not usually the way Mike would do business. He's extremely, extremely professional. So yeah. I, I don't too much of it. I don't know why he would have done that. Uh, but I'm just telling yeah. you, the usual order of business, when you do dispatch a player, you don't do it like that. You don't do it like well, that. And, and one, no, and, you know, and I, I hope, you know, I hope this isn't the case, but the other reason I could see it happening is that, you know, maybe something happened with somebody he knows or something like that. And, you know, God forbid, who knows? We're just speculating here, but they, it, it was pretty interesting, but yeah, I'm with you. I don't see a coach breaking trade news to a player that way in front well, of the Mike, media. I'm just, just telling you, that. that's not the Mike Sullivan that I know. Like, he's an extremely professional, professional guy Classy. and very well yep. orchestrated. I just, I'm just going to give him the benefit sure. of the doubt. For sure. Let's stay with Pittsburgh, though, and I think, Pierre, you know what? Let's, 
let's talk some positive stuff here. And uh, we did say we wanted to talk a little Yarmer Yager on Friday. They raised his numbers to the, uh, his number to the roof yesterday. And I'll tell you, I love the Penguins coming out with the mullets for warmups. I thought that was a nice touch. Um, I love that he was dressed up, skating with them in warmups, even practice with them the day before. Um, it just seemed like a feel-good event. Unfortunately, the game didn't go the way the Peng- Penguins would like. Um, but let's talk about Yarmar Yarga, Pierre. You see that. What's going through your head? Because you shared some wonderful moments with him yourself. Well, he's just a tremendous hockey player, obviously. His passion for the game is exemplary. All young players should have the same passion for the game that he does. Um, he wears it. That's why he can still skate with those guys. You know, he plays in Cladno. He owns a team. He coaches a team. He manages a team. He's the emperor for life in Cladno. Um, it's a long way from when I saw him playing World Junior with Robert Rakel and Bobby Holik back in the late 80s. Uh, it's a long way from the draft in 1990 where he could not really put too many English words together, um, but he was a larger-than-life person. And I, I think I told you this story once. I'll never forget riding to go out for dinner in uh, Secaucus, New Jersey, yeah. and I see this big, tall, hulking Yarmir Yager by himself with the rosy cheeks walking down the street in Secaucus eating a Kit Kat bar. And and all my friends that are driving me in the car that are riding in the car with me, they go, that's really Yarmir Yager. Well, yeah, it is. That's Yarmir Yager. Um, you know, but it, there's so many good athletic stories about him with them running the stairs and using a weight vest and working on his grip strength. I mean, mm-hmm. things that most guys weren't doing in those days, Jimmy, he was doing it. And he was doing it as an 18 and 19 and 20 year old. What was it like just watching guys try to get the puck off him, Pierre, and the way he could possess it? the way he gave time for his teammates to set up and get in the right sweet spot to score a goal. What was that like? Overwhelming. You couldn't believe that a person at that age could actually do that against grown men who were hardened professionals and hard people, not just hardened professionals, but hard people in their work environment. You know, the goal yeah. the goal that really stands out is game one against uh, Chicago in the 92 final when he goes around. Brent Sutter who's one of the better defensive forwards in those days in the NHL and a tough customer um, and a guy I really respect. And then Chris Chelios, I mean, to see that and to see, you know, he's doing that at 19 years of age. Um, phenomenal, phenomenal stuff. What, this is a good one. I didn't think about it until just now you asked me. I remember one time Scotty was not happy with some of our guys and he said, do me a favor when we practice four on four today, put Yager and Lemieux together. I want everybody getting worn out trying to chase them down. So uh, so we put Mario and Yarmer together four on four, and they did a tap dance on most of the guys. And Scotty was sitting in the stands smiling like a butcher's dog, to coin a phrase for my good friend Mike Lang, the legendary broadcaster <laughs> in Pittsburgh. Scotty's up there kind of smiling, saying, yeah, so you guys think you're all big well, shots. Stop those two guys. Yeah, that's great. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, Scotty and Yager must have been interesting, too. Uh, yeah, they yeah, must yeah. have been interesting the way they developed over the year. There wasn't a whole lot of discussion between the two. Scotty had so much experience coaching star players, you know, going right. back to his time. Even in St. Louis when he was there, having the legendary Doug Harvey, you know, on his defense, uh, coaching uh-huh. job. I mean, Glenn Hall, you go down the line. Scotty had a lot of experience working with star players. Then he comes to Montreal and, you know, a murderer's row of Hall of Famers, starting obviously with Guy Lafleur and Bob Ganey and, uh, Serge Savard and Larry Robinson and Guy Lapointe. I mean, you can go down the line with all the great players. Scotty had the privilege of working with over time. So he was never, this is the thing about Scotty. He was never intimidated by star players and star yeah, players. Do that. Star, star yeah. players knew that. They did. They really knew that. That's great. 
Good stuff. And Pierre, you know, one thing too, before we move on from Yarga that uh, I found out when he was here was how, how religious he is. And I don't know if he was that way back in the Pittsburgh days, but he, so, you know, you know he, he, go ahead. no, no, you go, Jimmy, finish up. I, I was just gonna say, he was, he was living in the North end here, uh, you know, the North end. And for those who don't, it's an Italian section of Boston, right near TD garden. Uh, mm -hmm. And there's a church called the old North church. Mm -hmm. And he told me that he would go there uh, on his way to the games he'd walk over from the North end and he would go to the church outside and he'd just sit there and pray for a good 15 minutes and, and kind of soak it in before every game he played when he was here in Boston. I, I found that amazing. You don't hear, you don't hear players talk about that much, but he didn't tell me when it happened or how he became so religious, but faith has become a very big part of his life. Yeah, no, and I, I understand that. Um, I saw him as always being a kind, caring soul that really cared about his fellow man. Um, you know, there's a reason why he wore number 68 um, because of what happened, you know, with the yes. Czechs. Well, back then it was Czechoslovakia and the Russians and the Russians coming in and taking over Prague uh, in 68. And, and so Yarmir has got a lot of memories. And, um, no, I always found him to be a caring, kind soul, especially yeah. for the underdog. Yarmir always liked the underdog. He always looked out for the guy that was less fortunate than him. I always found that. Now, could Very he be difficult? Could he be difficult? Yeah, he could. He could definitely be difficult. But tell me any artist, anybody that's at the highest level, they expect everybody to be at their level, and not everybody can get to their level, you know? Yeah. But um, I always found him to be a really good soul, and I spent a lot of time with him on the ice, whether it was in a group environment or, you know, just working one-on-one, -on -one and never had an issue. Never had an that's issue. That's awesome. Good stuff. Well, congratulations to Yarmir Yager. I would love sometime, Pierre, we get him on here. That would be uh, cool, actually. I think it would be fun. Yeah. <laughs> it would be an interesting guest. I would love it. I'm going to effort to pull that off, Jimmy. I will effort All to right. pull that off. We'll see what we can do. We'll see what we can do. But I'll tell you what we have done, Pierre. And we'll, uh, once again, for in case people weren't here at the end of the uh, show on Friday, we have confirmed that we are going to be broadcasting live from Hurley's Irish Pub one of the most yeah. famous Irish pubs in North America, 1225 Crescent Street in Montreal, right up the street from the Bell Center. Uh, we will be there prior to the Bruins-Canadians game on March 14th. We'll start the broadcast up at our usual time, four, go to five. Maybe we'll go a little extra. Who knows? Um, but for all our Montreal listeners out there, we encourage you to come down, say hello, ask these questions in person. We'll have some fun. And, and for anyone who's coming up from Boston as well, feel free to come by, do your pre-gaming at Hurley's, uh, and join us there. And, I'm really looking forward to this, Pierre. Of course, it's St. Patrick's Day weekend up in Montreal. It's a festive mm -hmm. time, and we're going to kick it off with some great hockey talk before another chapter in one of the greatest rivalries in pro sports history. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, me too as well, Jimmy. And, you know, the big thing is it's not just that. It's a celebration of hockey all over. The ECAC Hockey Championships take place that weekend That's on great. the men's side down on Lake Placid, New York, and I'm going to have the privilege of broadcasting uh, the Frozen Four for the ECAC. Doug uh, Christensen, the commissioner of the league, asked me to do this about two weeks ago, and I said, with pleasure. It would be my honor to do it. Um, yep. You know, I played in the league. I coached in the league, and my son plays in the league now. So, yeah, no, I'm looking forward to that whole weekend. I think it's going to be really, really special. It's going to be great. And uh, we want to thank Rod and the, and the crew at uh, Hurley's for helping us set that up. And as we get closer, if there's any more details, we will deliver them to you here. Um, but Pierre, hey, you know what? We're a little pressed on time because I know you got a you got a radio hit you got to do at 535, if I'm correct. Mm -hmm. And I gotta catch a tweet back. So uh let's get right to questions. Let's have some fun. Let's do it. Hey, what before, do we got? Okay, do uh, the this first question and then uh 
we'll talk okay. about something else. Okay, cool. So Matthew Cesar, uh, I hope I'm pronouncing your name right, uh, says, what do you think of Kakinyemi's horrible season? Uh, I think it's unfortunate. Uh, he's definitely struggled to find his game, Pierre. If you want to elaborate on that, I mean, I don't have any answers, to be honest. Uh, I've watched from afar, so I'm not there on the ground, so I don't feel too privileged to really comment on that. But from afar, it's pretty clear that he he's kind of lost his way a bit. He has. I think a lot of it in Carolina's that entire team to start the year kind of lost their way. They've had some guys obviously rekindle the energy. Um, one of the depth players that's done is Jack Drury. He's done a great job. Uh, Martinuk, Jordan Martinuk's done a real nice job when he's been okay. in the lineup. Sebastian Ajo uh, has really picked it up. Marty Natchez, I think somebody asked us about Marty the other day. He's had a real good run here as a blade, and obviously Table Terravine. So there have been some guys, but most of that team started poorly. The one thing I'd say is Cockney Emmy was a reach when Montreal took him at three. He was, Jimmy, he was a reach, and they took him based on world under-18 performance in Grand Forks, North Dakota, where he was a dominant. There's no question <laughs> he was a dominant player in that tournament, no question. Mm-hmm. The problem was Ottawa was picking fourth, and Ottawa got Kachuk. You can't even yeah. compare those two players. You can't, Jimmy. You just you no. can't compare those two players. No. So he's always going to have that label on his back, and I think the way he left Montreal is always going to bother people too. So he's got like this double bullseye on his back. It's always going to be very, very hard for him to shake off. He's got a lot of luggage there, and that's the problem too. And, you know, I, as we're talking about him right now, Pierre, I'm thinking of our, our good friend Gord Miller from TSN who we had on a few weeks back. And, you know, credit to Gord, and I think I, I agreed with him when he said it, but I think he's been proven to be right. Gord said that he should have started his career over in Finland. He shouldn't have come over that first year. And I think that that could have helped him, or at least maybe in the AHL, Pierre. But I mean, no, I, prefer, I don't know. I prefer an 18 year old kid staying home, unless you're going to play in the NHL. There's no reason for him to be in the AHL, okay. especially if hockey in Finland is outstanding. The yeah. league is a great league. I mean, the SHL in Sweden is a great league. That All these leagues are really good. Um, and I've been going there a long time. I have so much respect for those hockey countries and the way they develop players. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, no, he, I think, first of all, I think he was a reach at three in that draft. And again, we go over the revisionist history, kind of said it at the time. Um, and Kachuk was, you know, Montreal should have taken Brady Kachuk. You know, you talk about drafting players based on need. Power forward personified. Could you imagine? Come on. You put Brady on the left side and you have Slavkowski on the right side now. And let's just say you put Cole Caulfield in the. I don't know, five, six hole for forwards. I mean, look at that lineup. Come on. Yeah, yeah. I'm there with you, Pierre. There I'm with is. you. So uh, did, was there something you wanted to say before we got I to the did. next question? No. Yes, thank you for remembering, Jimmy. Yep. Today a player played his first NHL game for the Toronto oh. Maple at Marshall yep. with five. He's a kid from Beaconsfield in Montreal. It's a suburb on the West Island. Uh, oh, no wow. Marshall a really long time. He went to the Hotchkiss School. Uh, and eventually matriculated to Harvard. He played four years for our good friend Teddy Donato there, um, and he had a great year. When I was in Ottawa, I tried it. We tried as a staff to get him signed uh, in Ottawa. Uh, Toronto just came up with more money and a better package, and can't blame the kid for taking that. Two years later, here he is, played in his first NHL game. He played almost 12 minutes today in St. Louis, and Jimmy, he played really solid. And when you see a story like that, and it's a kid that I've had the opportunity to work with the last five summers. When you see a story like that, 
it's awesome. You're just so happy for the player. You're so happy for the family. And all these kids go through the process. But one guy that I can tell you really understood the process is Marshall Refai. So, Marshall, I don't know he watches. Way to go. They're on the plane right now in Arizona. Way to go, Marshall. I couldn't be more proud of you. Well done. And, and, and speaking of, I'll, I would be remiss if I didn't mention what I just witnessed here today, Pierre, and you saw it on TV. Uh, Justin Brazu, a great story. Undrafted awesome. free agent out of the OHL. Signs his first NHL contract yesterday, Twenty less than 24 hours later. He's in the lineup here for the Bruins, and he scores a huge goal to tie it at two in the second period. Parks himself right in front of the net, something the Bruins have been looking for from, from some of their current forwards. Uh, and got a goal, his first NHL goal on his second NHL shot. Uh, so congratulations to him. A good story. Didn't make it to the NHL. He's 26 years old. Didn't give up. Started on an ECHL contract. Twice he had to go to the E. Uh, and also played with Toronto and EA and, of course, the Providence Bruins. So congratulations to him. I love that, Jimmy. Thank you for raising that. And th this is part of what the eye test is. And this is why we named it this. And Jimmy knows when I was going over names mm -hmm. with Jimmy, I said there's so many of these kids that actually had the opportunity to play, but they get passed over because analytically they don't meet the eye of the analytics people in the front office and they get passed over. And I'm not a big believer in that. I'm a big believer in boots on the ground, hard intel scouting. I really believe a player like Brazo is a good example. A player like Marshall Rafai is a good example. Um, you know, there's so many kids out there that really deserve an opportunity, but for whatever reason, the numbers don't back it up because of analytics. And again, you, how do you measure the size of a man's heart? How do you measure the size of a man's character? How do you measure the size, Jimmy, of a man's fearlessness? How do you measure the size of a man's coachability? How do you measure the size of all these tangible things that matter in hockey? There's no analytic equation for those things. And yeah. so you can tell me about the high danger chances and all the puck. So the, I'll give you one example that really is irksome. Puck possession numbers. Mm -hmm. So let's say you're playing a game and you got a one goal lead with 50 seconds to go in the game and you gain the red line and you put the puck down because down the other end of the ice because you need to. You, you lose puck possession points. You know what I mean? I just There's certain things. If you play for a, a coach that plays a one-two-two trap in the last five minutes of every period, you're going to be backing up. You're going to get the puck, and then you're going to chip it deep. You're not playing a possession game, so I yeah. put a lot into that. And and but I'm so glad that you brought up uh, Brazo's name because it that's a great story. It's a great yeah. story. And for anyone who doesn't understand, who, you know what this kid did when he was in the O, uh, playing for uh, North Bay for the Battalion. Yeah, huge numbers. 61 goals here in his Six. final season in 2018-19. 61 goals and 113 points. Yeah, you got to be doing something right. I don't care what level you're at to do that. You got to be doing something right, and you're worth a look. And good on the Bruins amateur scouting department for finding him and, and not giving up on the kid. You know, you you can probably attest to up here. I've never been in this situation, but I'm sure you have. You know, there's probably times when you see a player and you just got a gut feeling about him, but he hasn't been drafted. Nobody's really talking about him. And you go to your boss with them and you say, I think we should give this kid a shot. And it's why I don't see him here. Like you just said, I don't see him here matching up with the analytics. I haven't heard about him. And it's got to feel so good when you're that scout and, and your boss believes in you. And then it pans out. It, that's I imagine that's a great feeling. So you brought up Yarmir Yager's number retirement last night. And one of the guys that was at the game is Gordy Roberts, who played for the Boston Bruins. He also played with Gordy yeah. Howe in 
WHA, uh, and he also played uh, for the Minnesota North Stars and St. Louis Blues. And when he was near the end of his career, or at least that's what everybody said, Scotty Bowman went to go watch him play in Peoria, Illinois. Not kidding you, Jimmy. Oh, yeah. And Scotty called me up. I think I was in Vancouver or I was in Kamloops. I forget, but I was out west. I was at somewhere. And he says, Gordy Roberts can still play. And I said, really? He says, he can still play and he can help us. So we all went together to watch him again. And um, and then Scotty told Craig Patrick about him, and Craig got him. He got him from uh, the late Ron Caron. And, and Gordy was really instrumental in the 91 Cup. He was hugely he important was. in the 92 Cup. And after yep. that 92 Cup, I think he parlayed a lot of that time to sign a big contract in Boston. And I was so happy for Gordy because two years previous, he was supposed to be done. It was yeah. great. I was happy for him. I That's really funny. I had a lot that's of time. Great. That's great you bring him up here because my grandfather, and he 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 liked the eye test like us, you know. And he always he was the same as Yager, always cheering for the underdog or kind of the guy nobody gives attention to. And that was one of the guys. And I remember vividly that conference final against the the Penguins, Bruins Penguins in 1991, and him just raving about him nonstop. You yeah. see this guy? Look at what he's doing out there. Look at the look at what he's creating. So good on you guys. I wish he was around to tell you this, tell him the story. That's right a Scotty Bowman, Craig Patrick. I mean, that was the brilliance of Scotty and uh, the trusting that Craig. That was – I don't see this enough today, Jimmy. Craig Patrick hired you, and then he gave you a job. And he told you, yeah. do this, do this, and do this. And he trusted you. And if you said, yeah, I think and this guy can do it, he would yeah. listen. He was amazing. Like, I'm telling you, he was such a brilliant manager of people. Craig was. He didn't say a lot. He wasn't demonstrative. He wasn't noisy. He just let you do your job. And he, if he called you, you better have the intel to give him. You yeah, know, I don't see that enough today. I just don't you see don't. it enough. And and I will say this. And I say this. I say this completely comfortable with no agenda. Most teams are not hiring the best people to do work like that anymore. They're not. Well, there's a lot of ego out there, Pierre. There's, I, I, I say it. I don't, you know, I'm not, I'm not calling out anyone specific, but it just, it, no. it happens sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's, uh, let's go back to these questions. What do we got? Ogi Ogotorp. 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 What trade or signing will eventually help the Blackhawks get out of their rebuild? Oh, boy. Well, they got to get Ogi. <laughs> there you go. I mean, my, I wonder, and it's just a, I wonder, because I hate speculating about trades. I wonder if Seth Jones at some point doesn't say something. You know, if he yeah. says, I, I would really like an opportunity to compete for a cup. Yep. You know, Raymond, Raymond did it in Boston. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, I, they've got a lot to do there. They've got a lot to do there. Every, everybody knows it. Um, I talk, I was at the Boston, by the way. What an environment. College hockey is trending like this, Jimmy. Trending like this. We, on Campus Friday, such a good idea you came up with. It's just college hockey is amazing. I was at the Boston That's College, great. UMass Amherst game yesterday. Close to 7,000 people. In the room. It, was, it was an amazing game. It was electrifying. Yeah. Um, but I was talking to a couple of scouting friends of mine, and I said, what do you think of the rebuild in Chicago? And he goes, well, they're starting it out well, Connor Bedard. I said, no kidding. Thanks for the newsflash. You get paid to do this job, you know? <laughs> and I said to the gentleman, I said, I think it's going to take four to six years. He goes, I think it's going to take five years. So that's kind of where I think a lot of people in the hockey business think it is for Chicago to yeah. get going. 
I think it would you know, obviously, and again, not stating the obvious, but man, it would be something if they could get the number one pick again. I mean, that would be insane. Well, if, they little, Macklin, if they get Macklin Celebrini, that will things, accelerate it. That would accelerate things by about a year to a year and a half. But remember now, Macklin 17, you know, like he, he would start just having turned 18. Darn, Jimmy, that's that's a tough like that's a lot of heavy yeah, lifting. John, John Taves had two years at Dakota. You know, people yep. forget Johnny had two years at Dakota and two world juniors. It mm -hmm. wasn't like he was going as a neophyte. He he was playing big time world junior and he was a leader of an elite team um at Dakota for Dave Haxtall at the time. Right. Right. All right. Next question. Evan McLaren, what is bizarre in Pittsburgh is the inactivity by Dubas. He's giving a press conference tomorrow, so maybe we'll get an idea of his thinking. I he wasn't inactive this summer. He was super active this summer. Um, and, we, you know, again, some people wondered about that activity from the summer. He needed to address his bottom six with scoring. I think he did do that a little bit with Lars Eller and Nola Chari. Drew, Drew O'Connor, somebody he had nothing to do with, Kyle Dubas, is starting to yep. show signs of being a very good bottom six player, even though I know they have him playing up higher in the lineup right now. But I think eventually mm -hmm. he'll slide back. Uh, but he's done really well. I think that's a, a demonstration of how good a coach Mike Sullivan is, by the way. Um, but no, I, I don't know what Kyle's going to say, but I think if they lose this game to the Islanders tonight, they become that team that Jimmy was talking about that probably has to explore doing something. Yeah, you got to face reality. And something and that's a thing, Pierre. I mean, we'll talk about it another time too, but it's a great thing to think about. It's just, you know, when GMs sometimes, whether it's them, whether it's the owner's pressure to win and, and get ticket sales for the playoffs, get that extra money, that's where they make huge mistakes that end up burning them down the road. When you think you're in it one year and you're not, and you end up trading away assets to help a team that really wasn't going to go anywhere either way. So you, you got to... It's, it's a crossroads for sure that the Pittsburgh Penguins are in. All right, next question. Yep. Gentlemen, how far do you believe the Habs are in their rebuild? What are the missing pieces and necessary to make in the near future? Pierre, I would say I, I thought it was going to take five years, so they're three in. That's the way I look I at it, right? I say they're three in as well. Um, yeah, three. They got some found money in Jacob Fowler. I don't think when they drafted Jacob Fowler – uh, he was a third-round pick. I think he was 68 or 69, if I remember correctly. Uh, when they drafted him, I'm not sure they were counting on him evolving at this level this quickly. So that helps speed up the process a little for them, too. They've got a chip in the game to play in Jake Allen. I think eventually they'll utilize that chip. But some of those contracts are going to be really difficult to move. I think people know that. Um, and they're not ready, I think, with their young guys to really take that next step. So I think they're still two years away, but progressing much faster than a lot of the fan base think, really progressing a lot quicker. Yep, good stuff. All right, next question. Randy Workman, are the least better defensively than they, than we think? They're 4-0 and without Morgan Riley. No. no, you know what it is, Randy? It's a good question, though. It's fair. It's a fair observation because the numbers kind of tell a story. They've got their forwards committing to playing defense. I watched the entire game with St. Louis uh, today. Riley's out. Yeah. Every single guy was hustling on the back check. Every uh -huh. single guy had really good stick positioning. Every single guy was getting in the lane to try to block shots. They didn't always block them, but they were trying to. So they're far more committed. Uh, but I'll use an example. We talked about guys to pass the eye test. Bobby McMahon 
is 27 years of age. This is his third year pro. Just got a taste of the NHL this year for the first time coming out of Colgate University. He's got seven goals, I think, in his last four games. Yep. I mean, he scored today into an empty net. And if you haven't seen it, go watch the empty net goal that he scores because this is why you have to have an eye test on players. That's why you, you know have what? to have an eye to, The other thing I think of here when I think about that, uh, the, what they've done, like he pointed out, without Morgan Riley, how many times do we see teams, Pierre, when they have one of their key players out? And obviously, they, they rise together, and it's a collective – effort to, to kind of compensate for that player being out. But then when the player comes back, they resort to their old ways. It's almost so like I, now they have cushion back, you know? Yeah. I don't think Toronto do that. You know why? Cause I think they found out they can trust McMahon and he's one of those uh -huh. energy players. They really haven't had. He's a, he's a solid robust kid from Alberta. He can really skate, really watch him play college. And, and I really respect the way he carries himself. Another kid that started in the East Coast League, signed out of Colgate as a free agent, goes down and plays in Newfoundland. And then they call him back up to play for the Toronto Marlies and the rest is history. So, you know, again, the eye test matters on these players. And, yeah. and so I think he's one of the guys that helps him. I think they got a real good taste on uh, on um, Marshall Rafai today. And I think that's yep. positive for them. And Simon Benoit um, has been outstanding for them on defense. He had a hit today. It was Richter scale um, against nice. the robot St. Louis team. So, again, you, you're right about a lot you're saying about Toronto, but I think they've, they're finding pieces that they maybe didn't think were going to fit. Now huh? they fit. Now they fit. Yeah. They're allowing them to fit. That's a good thing. Like they're they're kind of realizing we have to play this type of hockey to survive. It's not all about the finesse. We need the grinders, you know. And you know who's so. learning how to play that way, and he's he's a good player. He scored a heck of a goal today. Is Matthew Nyes. Matt Matthew yes. Nyes. It's, you know, you play him with Martin and Matthews, and you watch him go to work, and he back checks and forces turnovers, and uh, took a high stick right in the face. I think Kairu got him with a high stick in the face in the uh, third period to start the third period today. And but you see him playing. He's big, he's strong, he's fast, and he's got some muscle on it. He can pound guys. So there's another guy that I think is well-built for playoff hockey. Good stuff. All right, next question. What's the story with Frank Fratrano? Is he on the market? It could really help a team in a package deal, I believe. Frank can shoot the puck. I don't know if he's on the market. I don't know, Pierre. I, I know I, that he's been a – He's been great for Anaheim, and I don't know why they want to trade him, but they are in a rebuild. So, I mean, it's a valid question. The, the one team that I think would take him and be smiling because they know both sides of the deal, New York Rangers. Yeah. I, I just – with Philip Heedle out um, for the year, uh, looking for some more scoring. Obviously, hats off to them, by the way. What a comeback against the Islanders in the outdoor game yesterday. Uh, at MetLife Stadium. But, you know, Jimmy, I'm watching that and I'm going, this Frankie Vetrano, he's something else. I'm watching him and I'm going, this guy's something else. And we, but Jimmy, <laughs> if you remember at the beginning of the eye test, he's yes, one I of do. the players we told everybody, yep. telling you, this guy's on a roll this year. Nobody believed us. They're like, oh, Frankie Vetrano, he's played like a four five now. Years. Yeah, no, he's a superstar. You can yeah, see it. Great. You can see the way he was shooting the puck this year. I'm so happy for him. He's a really nice kid. I'm really happy for him. Yeah, it's good for him. All right, next question. 
relaxation music. Hey, Pierre, if I was Ken Hughes, I would look for a Dawson Mercer. I know the Devils have had some interest in Josh Anderson. It's been a down year for Josh, but I still believe in the player. Yeah, the money is a problem on that yeah. for Josh. And Dawson, the money comparable is not fair. The Devils are going to have some cap issues. I think everybody knows that. So I think that's a bit of a problem. Um, you can trade money, so maybe they could find a way to do that. I'm not sure New Jersey's in a rush to trade Dawson Mercer. Um, they see him as being, you know, one of those linchpin players. You can play the wing. You can play center. He kills penalties. You can be on your first power play or second power play. He's he's an important player for them. I, I just and the age. Josh is older, and I don't know if that's a fit. But the the premise is right, though. If you want yeah, to get jersey you'd want to get Dawson mercer because he's a good yeah. player great player i know fitzy loves him though i, I don't know we'll see yeah, that's all fun. right it's hard to get rid yeah. of a player like that he's a good player yep all right let's do two more here randy workman and the bruins panic to make their move right away uh if they had lost today I would say, yeah, something might have been coming this week. I really do believe that. But I don't know. I mean, it's not like this cures everything that went wrong in the homestand here. But it puts them in a better spot mentally where maybe they don't pull the tree. I don't know. I I, I think it's going to be very interesting to see what roster comes back from this upcoming four-game road trip. Because, Pierre, you know, you've worked in a business. It, it's It's a lot easier to make a trade when you're on the road than it is when you're at home in terms of the media and the PR of it. And it's a good, it's a good time to do it. So you have the game sheet probably in front of you. I don't need it. Charlie McAvoy played almost 30 minutes today. Oh and yep. You, you can't go into, you cannot. 29, 16. There yep. you go. So almost 30. You cannot mm -hmm. extend him that many minutes, especially going into the playoffs. You got to have that guy fresh or you're in trouble. We've talked about it a million times. There's a defenseman in Calgary. I think mm -hmm. going to be available. Noah Hannafin. Tanev's available. I think there's no secret there. I'd prefer Hannafin for the Bruins than Tanev just because the right side for the Bruins is pretty locked and loaded. Um, and you get Hannafin on the left side if you're the Bruins. Uh, that takes a lot of pressure off of Charlie. A lot yeah. of pressure off of Charlie. For sure. For sure. And speaking of Hannafin, Pierre, I you know, like we've talked about it and we've been hearing – Keep an eye on the Florida Panthers when it comes to Hannafin. I think we agree Remember, on that. Well, Jimmy and I talked on the phone today, so I, I wouldn't – I think Florida could be in play to get him. Yeah, I think Bill, Bill Zito's up to something big, whether it's him or whether it's something else. Yeah. All right, final question here. David Robinson, the basketball player, assuming Hampus Lindholm isn't injured after tonight, what's holding him back from being more of an impact D-man this season? I think he's been solid for the Bruins. I think he's been that bad. Right, yeah. I think you're looking for offense more, but I, I, I think Compass is pretty good. I kind of thought the offense last year, Pierre, and this is no knock on him. I just felt like yeah. he was a bit of an outlier. And, mm -hmm. But I think he is still a great two-way defenseman that anybody would want in your top four. He's had some hiccups. He's made some bad mistakes, but they, Pierre, he's like, a, he's like a whipping boy here in Boston. I just don't think uh, it's warranted. I don't think it's warranted either, uh, but I do understand. Look, the fans are allowed to have their Depends. opinion. They should have it. I'm, that's one of the things that makes hockey so great. The fans are amazing. They have their own opinions, and they're strong on them. Uh, but I don't think Compass is really a problem there. Um, yeah. Maybe the expectation is higher than what it realistically should be. But, again, if you were to add – let's just say for the sake of argument, you added a defenseman, a big mobile defenseman, 
who's from Boston and put him <laughs> on the left side with the Bruins, I guarantee you that would enhance Hampus Lindholm as well. Yeah, it's less pressure for sure. It would be great. Yeah. It would be great. We'll see what happens. All right, well, listen, an abbreviated but a fun edition of the eye test here on the Sick Podcast Network. And, Pierre, uh, are we allowed to talk about uh, our guest no, list for the rest of the week? All right, yes. so tomorrow. We don't have Friday confirmed yet, but Wednesday and Wednesday are confirmed. Yeah, we'll confirm on campus Friday soon. Uh, but tomorrow we will have none other than longtime NHL agent Matt Keeter. He's one of the best around, knows the game inside and out, knows everybody in the game. Um, and he's a good friend of Pierre's, and I'm, I'm happy to have him on tomorrow. So looking forward to that. And then on Wednesday, we're going to have the general manager of the Vegas Golden Knights, Kelly McCrimmon, join us here on the eye test. Really looking forward to that. Vegas – I think he's going to get it going here soon. And you can bet the Kelly is going to be active before the deadline. So I'm sure we're not going to be able to pry out his plan out of him, but uh, we will definitely talk some Vegas golden Knights hockey and kind of go down memory lane with him as well. Uh, really looking forward to that here. I know you know Kelly as well. Yeah. Well, I had the privilege of coaching his brother, the late Brad McCrimmon and the yeah, beast was an amazing man. And, um, you know, passed away obviously in that tragic plane crash over in Russia. Kelly played on uh, at the university of Michigan. And, um, you know, the teams weren't great at Michigan when he was there. But, man, he went out to the Western Hockey League and did a magnificent job out there. And you look at the job that he did with the Brandon Weekings all those years. Yeah. He was a general manager. He was an owner. He was a coach, uh, player procurement person. I mean, he just – he built that into – they were so down. Brandon Weekings were really down for a long time. And Kelly turned him around. And then, obviously, George McPhee brings him into Vegas. And what a job those two guys, both of them. I've done in Vegas. It's it's amazing the job they've done there. Yeah, it's a great job. So looking forward to that. The general manager of the defending Stanley Cup champions joining us here on the eye test. And as we book up the rest of the week, we will let you know. And again, remember, March, we're going to keep telling you, March 14th, Hurley's Irish Pub in Montreal, 1225 Crescent Street. Be there with us before the Bruins-Canadians game. Kick off St. Patrick's Day weekend with us. We're looking forward to it. All right, thanks to our production crew in Montreal, and thanks to you, the listeners and the viewers, and all those people in the comments section for your questions. We appreciate it as always. We will talk to you tomorrow on another edition of the Eye Test here on the Sick Podcast Network. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Eye Test with Pierre McGuire and Jimmy Murphy on YouTube, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.